Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright everyone, welcome. We are here yet again from LTUE. Uh, you know, previously I was in the bowels in the upper hallways with Dave Butler. I then found myself in some weird room with Dan Wells. And now here we are in another room, but with Christopher Husberg. Uh, a, Chris has been on the show before. If you don't know who he is, uh, he has written Duskfall, Dark Immolation, and soon, the third book in that series, Blood Requiem, will be out. Now, my first question... Because of that, how do you come up with titles? Because that seems to be the most difficult thing for me. Yeah. No, it's, for me too, honestly. Um, I, uh, I feel like... So Duskfall was in the works for, for years. You know, yeah. I, I wrote the first draft in, in 2010, I want to say. It did not have a... It had a, like a working title, but it was super generic. The Rising is what it was, you know, yeah. and, and it didn't mean anything. You know, that's, that's the most typical fantasy like tropey stereotype title you could you could possibly imagine. So that was the working title for, for many years, mainly because I didn't want to put effort. I, I, I had no good ideas for a title. Yeah. Um, but finally, when I was like, okay, I, I'd revised it a few times. A, a few years later, I'd revised it and, and sent it to some readers. They'd give me some feedback. I felt I was ready to like start shopping it around to agents and editors. I was like, okay, I guess now <laughs> I need like good title. And Skyfall had just come out, the, oh, the, the James okay. Bond yeah. um, uh, movie Skyfall. And I was like, that is a cool title, you know? And, I, and, a lot, and that's, it's kind of a, a trend these days to sort of mash. You know, you have Mistborn. Brandon Sanderson does this a lot. You have Warbreaker, Mistborn, where you mash two words together yeah. into, into one thing. And, and I think it's cool. I think it works. And it, and it actually can really give, like, a good Firefly. You know, Joss Whedon said the same thing about Firefly when he titled his, that, uh, his TV show Firefly. Yeah. It's it sort of the two words combined you know you have fire which is which is you know aggressive and 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 uh fly which is more of like a whimsical thing and you put it together and it also creates this image that is just completely apart from both of those things yeah. and and so i think uh i i like that idea and, and so i'd um so i just started coming up with words that, that had to do with with the series as a whole and and uh kind of the themes and and uh and what was going on and eventually i came up with duskfall um and I, I love that title. I'm, I'm really happy with it. I think it works really well. Dark Immolation is kind of funny. It, it, it was the working title. And uh, I, was, I was honestly, I was, I was halfway on board, halfway wanting to change it to something else. And then I saw it on the, on the flap of, of Duskfall, of the printed version. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess that's what I'm titling it. <laughs> when, when Duskfall came out, I hadn't. Um, so, uh, so that was fine. And, and Blood Requiem, I like, I'm really happy with, with that title nice. too. So, uh, yeah, titles, you know, they, they definitely take more effort for me than I would like. 
Uh, I like. I don't know why. I, why I think it should be easy. I don't know. It, it, it's silly, I guess, to think that it would be easy. But uh, but I have to sit there and think about it for a while. You know, it's like it's like it's part of my job or something. I don't know. I, I'm in the same boat. I don't give it a title. I don't give it a title till the end. Yeah, me too. Yeah. When, when it's when it's done. When it, when a book is done, that's when I. I mean, because otherwise, it's like, I don't know. I part of me is part of that's because I'm still a pretty heavy discovery writer. You know, as I've progressed in the series, I do a lot more outlining for each book than I did with Duskfall or or any of my short stories or anything, for example. But um, but uh, I yeah I. I don't know. I, I still have to put. I, I have to finish the the idea, you know, yeah. before, before before I really yeah before I can really put energy into into having a good title. Nice. Now, so where is the third book going? Because we've already kind of gone on the adventure from the through the first two books, and this is a five book series, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So we're we're in the middle of the Here. grand arc. Yeah. So what's going to happen without giving away too much? And where are we going? Yeah. The, so. Uh, one of the things I've done with this series is is each novel I've sort of taken a taken a different, um, what is the right word? Tone isn't exactly the right word. Neither is is subgenre. But but like book Duskfall was m- mainly an adventure novel, okay. right? The heroes are going on a quest, basically. Yeah. You know, they're traveling, they're experiencing new environments and cities and and magic and everything. And it was a it was a quest, a, an adventure novel. Book two was a little bit slower paced. It, it was it's more of a political intrigue, um, religious intrigue novel that uh, had definitely some, some heavy action, but also focused a lot on, on some of these more... Uh, yeah, Maybe just, just slightly word. different themes, yeah. Uh-huh. And so book three, um, you know, it continues a lot of the religious and political stuff from the second book, but the main focus I had for book three is, is, is war. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a war novel. Um, and that's been actually a challenge for me. It's I've done a lot of research into different, uh, um, you know, historical battles and and uh, armies and how how uh, how medieval and and ancient ancient armies fought. Yeah. Um, I've been particularly interested in the Punic Wars, the second the second Punic Wars mainly uh, with with Hannibal, uh, Hannibal Barca, and that's been that's been fascinating and has definitely heavily influenced the battles in in Blood Requiem. But yeah, so it's a war novel. There's there's going to be a lot of big battles, um, and uh, yeah, so I'm excited with how that turns out. Book four is is so I'm actually working on book four right now. Book three is with my editor. I'm working on book four, and that's uh, that's turning out to be more of a like a kind of an espionage with with hints of like uh, of horror, basically. Okay. Yeah. So. Nice. Mm. So with it being the war novel and massive battles going on how hard is it to kind of focus on that because i mean a massive war there's tons of things going on bodies are clashing swords and everything are you kind of pinpointing on the characters that are involved um or or how are you doing that yeah it's um that's a good question yeah i i've kind of compounded the problem for myself uh with the magic system because the magic system the main magic system in the books is is pretty new. Yeah. Like it's not, it hasn't been around for more than a, a couple decades, and uh, and even then, you know, most people are not aware that it exists. Um, and so, fighting battles with, you know, the main character, one of the main characters at this point, uh, is pretty strong with this magic. Yeah. Uh, she can do a lot of things. She can cause a lot of damage. And so, it's been actually a challenge to balance, you know, what do battles look like from her perspective, versus 
what do battles look like from the perspective of people getting kind of stomped by her powers? Yeah. Uh, and then what is like the what's the infantry level like the heavy infantry that's just clashing clashing with each other? You know, they're not going to care about the big magic going on unless something you know smacks them in the face yeah. randomly. But but otherwise they're worried about the guy who's about to stab them mm-hmm. across from the yeah. you know. And so it's so it's kind of been a challenge. And and I, so I have focused. I mean, a lot of it is from you know, one of these main characters' perspective, you know, the one with the magic. But I, I do, uh, I think it's important to show the perspective of, of I mean, what I, 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 one of my favorite uh, war novels is Heroes by Joe Abercrombie. And I think he does a great job. Uh, he does kind of a POV head-hopping uh, technique where for, for any given battle, he'll jump around. In fact, what, what I love about what, how he does this is he's in one POV and then that person gets killed and he jumps to the POV of the person that just killed him. Okay. And then that person gets killed, and he jumps to the POV of the person that just killed that person. And it does, it's, uh, it's like this interesting technique that gives you a really great uh, sense of, of the battlefield as a whole. Because yeah. you know? these aren't the main characters. These are, just, these are very minor characters that you only see for sometimes yeah. only a few paragraphs. But it does give you a really great perspective on, on the battle. And so I do. I, I do try to shift around uh, perspective a little bit and, and to give perspective from both sides of any given battle. Um, yeah, but it has been a challenge because I, because the magic system, it, it I, I don't want to make them too powerful, yeah. but they are powerful, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I like the idea of jumping around. Um, yeah. you know, there's a couple, I can't remember the title of it, but it was a really great one where one chapter would focus on one side of the army, the other would be on the other. And you, you know, like the one army would actually be dominating the other one, like they're blasting, throwing catapults and stuff like that. And then you get the aspect of these guys that are like fearing for their lives as these giant rocks, fiery rocks are hailing down on them. So, uh, so that idea is really interesting, and it it helps you kind of feel the sense of mortality and how this battle's going out because you're getting both sides instead of oh, just the one guys are tromping through and surviving and winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think I think it is really important to to show different perspectives, and because and the other thing about battles that I that I think one of my goals with this series and with writing in general is I'm not I'm I like great action scenes. I love a good fight scene, but I'm also not out to like glorify violence. Like that's not something I'm interested in doing. Um, and so I I. In a lot, in some ways, I focus on the grotesque aspects of, of war and and how really just terrible it can be, and uh, and just devastating, you know. And not just for the soldiers, but you know, the countryside is being ravaged by these battles, oh, yeah. you know. And so this isn't just affecting the people who are fighting, but it's also affecting the people who live nearby. And 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 you know, if somebody owns that farmland, you know, that's that that land is gone from that battle. You know, that's not gonna, yeah. So. So it's uh, so there's a lot that I'm trying to keep in mind and and yeah it's a war writing writing this novel you know focusing on on the the war aspect and and big battles has been definitely an interesting experience that I've uh, I've I mean it's it's I've, it's fun you know well I mean you bring up a good point you know a lot of times when we read history or stuff about battle we you know we hear the death tolls but you know what about you know the blood that was washing off into the the water supply that is going to affect everyone that was drinking that or you know maybe there were actually animals or the farmland that's theirs it's now ruined it can never be you know, people can't plant their crops there uh, so there's a lot of interesting things that still apply the aftermath of that battle uh, so that's interesting uh, you know let alone 
Do it. You know, is the army just leaving the bodies behind? Right. Wild animals that weren't there before that are now suddenly there because they're eating the dead. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's a lot of things we never hear about. So, I mean, if you're kind of including that, that's a very interesting aspect to put in there. Uh, so, wow. Now, because your magic system is so unique, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but really the uh, individual is, it's almost like they're on drugs mm-hmm. when they're doing So how does that really come into play? Because well, we know how people react when they're inebriated. I mean, sometimes you know, their, their critical thinking, that's definitely not there. But their aim isn't on on par or stuff like that. So how does that affect this magic? Because I mean, to throw a fireball into a group and not destroy your own troops when you're high or drunk would probably not be as easy. But but there at the same time, there's Jackie Chan's drunken master, which is amazing, even though he is. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting question, actually. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to. Uh, to research, and, and I guess you can extrapolate, you know, what kind of research I've done into, into drugs and getting high at your own, you know, at your own discretion. But, uh, but, but, but there really are different sort of forms. Yeah, you know, being drunk, it, it does, uh, it, it, it uh, fuzzes you up, yeah. you know. You, you, uh, you're not as, the word is not coming to mind, but like you're not coordinated. You're not, you're, your hand-eye coordination is not, is not any, anywhere near what it was. But other drugs, you know, they're stimulants you know, where, where they can make you sharper for a while. Yes. Um, and there are other side effects, right? But they do have that effect where, where uh, they can, they can uh, enhance you to, to, a, to an extent, yeah. you know. Others, um, you know, LSD, you know, there are just a lot of different effects. You know, psychedelic uh, effects can occur where you're, where you're just completely removed from reality, you know. Um, and so, uh, so I, it's been interesting to try and... Um, hash together the type of high i guess yeah. you would you would call that you get from from the drugs from Faltira, which is the drug uh that that characters in in my books use to access this magic and and yeah so so in, in the books though it is it is more of a uh there is definitely kind of an ethereal uh slightly psychedelic property to it especially in the beginning when you first are taking it but the more you take it it becomes more of a of a stimulant um that sort of sharpens your senses a little okay. bit and and there, I mean, there are still pretty heavy side. I mean, it is very addictive, you know. And the more you take it, the less those effects. It, it almost becomes more of a downer the okay. the more you take it, you know. Um, where it was once a stimulant, suddenly it's it's uh, it doesn't make it. It's not as effective as it was, you know. So there's um, there's like long term effects to keep in mind as well. But yeah, it's uh, and it also depends on the character, you know. Some people are affected by you know chemical chemicals differently right like by, by their body chemistry yeah. reacts differently to, to different things and and that's true as well with different characters in the books where some of them uh some of them it takes effect really quickly and they are just sharp as attack and 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 others uh that's not the case so yeah so that brings up an interesting question because you've had to do a lot of research for this <laughs> <laughs> now is there a point because you're married yeah. is there a point where your wife's like what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I I get that from my wife a lot because, uh, uh, yeah, I I write about drugs and I write about you know my my fantasy is usually has a darker tone to yeah. it you know and and every once in a while my wife look my my wife looks at me and is like, who are you like like what what 
who's beneath this like mask that I know yeah. as a husband and writing this like ridiculous stuff, you know? And and so there is kind of that level of uh, of uh, yeah, you know, people. You think you know somebody, and then yeah. you read what they write, and you don't. You don't know them, you know. And that's okay. And that's not. But it, but yeah. So there is, there is a level of like. Uh, but but my I mean. Uh, also, to be fair, my wife is very supportive of, yeah. of the writing, and, and she's uh, she's one of my best readers, to be honest with you. She's very honest and, and can be very open, so I'm, I'm grateful to have, you know, a spouse that can be that way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and she does, and she also gets very mad at me when I kill off certain characters. <laughs> she's not happy. Uh, she loves happy endings, and, and she, unfortunately, she married the wrong person to get a happy ending in a book, at least, you yeah. know. Uh, so, yeah. No, and that's one thing I, I do like, uh, because... That's one thing that's always kind of bugged me, and I know a lot of people get upset about that, like with Star Wars. You know, we had these great heroes, and one mess after another after me- another, they always got out. Um, up until, uh, what, was it Vector Prime that was written, and Chewbacca died. Yeah. Of course, that's no longer canon, right, but, but you, know. you know, then Disney comes along, and they, they kill off Han Solo, and everyone's like, ah! That's reality. I mean, that's life. There's no way you could go into a war and not someone die. Yeah. Um, so as much as it sucks to have a character die, yeah. uh, I really like that. And, uh, oh, you know, when I saw the first time I experienced that was in uh, Dragonlance. Oh, yeah. Uh, when Sturmbrightblade dies. And you're just like, what? No. Yep. You can't. But that cemented him like, this is war. It's going to happen. And he right. sacrificed himself. And it, it was great. It was beautiful. I mean, sometimes you can still have death where it actually lends more to the story so um so what were some of the the books that really inspired you growing up that made you want to do this yeah well i mean speaking of of you know killing characters off i was a fan of george r R. martin since i've I've been a fan since high school uh i've been reading a song (laughs) of ice and fire so the key exactly yeah you know there's the old joke if uh if Stephen Moffat and Joss Whedon and George R. R. Martin walk into a bar, everybody dies or something. I can't remember how yeah. the joke goes, but 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 yeah, those three are kind of pretty. You know, they're pretty renowned for mm-hmm. being brutal to yeah. their characters. And 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 I loved Game of Thrones, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. I guess is what I was. You know, is what the books are called. And and uh, uh, you know, I loved a Game of Thrones because it subverted my expectations there. Yeah. And, and I'd seen characters die in books before. It's not. It wasn't. It's not like he revolutionized that no. necessarily, but. You know, just the brutality and and the and the fact that that he would he's killing off these point of view characters yeah. that are so that you become so attached to as a reader uh, was was pretty. You know, as a high school kid, I was like, I never seen that before. Yeah. You know, so so definitely George R. R. Martin. Uh, but but going back a little further, I'll give you just a kind of a brief, I guess, history of of books that I've some of my favorites that have really influenced me. I I, I loved Redwall. You know, Brian Jake's yeah. Redwall series growing up. Um, one of my favorite. Uh, all-time favorite young adult series is called uh, The Lost Years of Merlin by T.A. Barron. And that, I love those books. They, um, I, I read them in high school, and, and it, it's basically, you know, you have Merlin as, as the ancient wizard, right, yeah. in, in Arthurian legend and, and in a lot of the adaptations, but you don't have a lot of, well, what was Merlin like as a, as a kid yeah. and, and as a teenager, and, and this, is, this is that story, and it, it's great. I loved it. I, I think uh, there's some of my favorite books... Um, that I've read and, and very influential. Um, George R. R. Martin, for sure. Uh, Robert Jordan, of course. Uh, I read Robert Jordan in high school. Uh, you know, I was uh, Wheel of Time. Um, Brandon Sanderson, Joe Abercrombie, I m- I've mentioned already. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I mean, like I said, I, I do write 
darker fantasy. Yeah. Um, and and so I have I wouldn't classify myself as as grimdark necessarily. In fact, I wouldn't. Um, but but it's there's darker things and and I actually this is a term I, I heard at World Fantasy a few years ago. But but I think grim hope is a term I've heard. And and I think that's what my books fall under because bad things a lot of bad things happen in my books, but there is an aspect of uh, of hope and like human goodness in 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 some people, and and I think that for me that's important. You know I, I like that and I and I do you know I do I love Abercrombie I like Mark Lawrence I love their books um, and I like the nihilistic sort of twist in a lot of them I I, I enjoy reading that, uh, but it's not what I'm writing and that's okay. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that glimmer of hope is great. Uh, you know, as much as uh, Game of Thrones is right. amazing, it just, you don't have any hope. Yeah. You know, because it's like, okay, I like this character. He's dead. Yep. I like that character. Oh, they're dead. dead. You know, it's like yeah. as soon as you start liking a character, they're it dead. It's rough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> it's awesome. So, Duskfall is out. Yep. Dark Immolation's out. Yep. Uh, so, it's June. The, June 5th. June 5th, yeah. the third book comes out. So, this is perfect. You can go out, pick up two books, read through them, and then you got the third one. You know, yeah, you don't yeah, have to wait another year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you'll need to wait for book, for book four, four and five. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, on a pretty, I, I'm on a pretty good schedule with yeah. them. I mean, book four will come out June of, of 2019 and book five June of 2020. Like, unless, you know, barring some apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, that's what's going to happen. So, right. so I'm, I'm on track to do that and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so go out, pick up these two books if you haven't already. If you have them, pick up uh, Blood Requiem when it comes out in June and support Chris and his writing. And where can they find you uh, next? Uh, what cons or even where can they find you on the web? Yeah, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be, let's see. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be going to Pensacon in February, uh, later in February, but uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of... Phoenix Comic Con in May. I'll be in. I'll be at Worldcon. I go to Worldcon every year usually, and, and World Fantasy as well. Um, Salt Lake Comic Con, um, Gen Con. I'll be at Gen Con as well. So so yeah, please uh, by all means come find me. I'm usually on panels, uh, but yeah, I love I love going to conventions. Oh, and I'll, I'll be doing I'll be doing a book event a, a release event in June for for Blood Requiem, Requiem and uh, probably a book tour as well uh that's that's kind of still in the works but i'm thinking we're gonna make that work so cool. yeah all right well find him uh online uh check him out at your local uh convention i mean gen con's awesome yeah. uh full of games uh but uh check them out and definitely get the books because they're worth reading and uh with that said we'll catch you next time Baycon 2018 returns this Memorial Day weekend to the San Mateo Marriott San Francisco Airport for its 36th year as the longest fan-run science fiction and fantasy convention in the San Francisco Bay Area. This year's theme is patchwork fandom, stitching the generations together, and will focus on costuming and programming items aimed at connecting younger and older generations of SFF fandom through shared interests. Baycon's writer guest of honor is Tamara Pierce, recipient of 2013's Margaret A. Edwards Award for The Song of the Lioness and Protector of the Small Quartets. Her newest novel, Tempest and Slaughter, has just been released in hardcover and ebook. Baycon 2018 will also welcome artist guest of honor Margaret Organ Keen, fan guest of honor Christopher J. Garcia, and Toastmaster M. Todd Galloglass. Come join us for a weekend of fun and fandom. Get your membership at www.bacon.org. You're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Please subscribe and follow them on Facebook or Twitter, precious. No, we're even promoting these 
filthy idiots who doesn't like them, who doesn't like anyone. Our friends, brothers, our friends. No, shut up. Please subscribe.